Chapter number seven of Little Masterpieces of Science, Health and Healing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Masterpieces of Science, Health and Healing, edited by George Isles. Chapter seven Benjamin Ward Richardson md dr richardson was an english physician of uncommon originality and ability he founded and for some years edited the journal of public health chiefly directed toward the prevention of disease in eighteen seventy five he created widespread interest by sketching an imaginary model city of health to be called hygeia he wrote several important books from the diseases of modern life published by d appleton and company new york are taken the extracts which follow by the strict law of nature a man should die as unconscious of his death as of his birth subjected at birth to what would be in the after-conscious state an ordeal to which the most cruel of deaths were not possibly more severe he sleeps through the process and only upon the subsequent awakening feels the impressions painful or pleasant of the world into which he is delivered in this instance the perfect law is fulfilled because the carrying of it out is retained by nature herself human free will and the caprice that springs from it have no influence by the hand of nature death were equally a painless portion the cycle of life completed the living being sleeps into death when nature has her way this purely painless process this descent by oblivious trance into oblivion this natural physical death is the true euthanasia and it is the duty of those we call physicians to secure for man such good health as shall bear him in activity and happiness onward in his course to this goal for euthanasia though it be open to every one born of every race is not to be had by any save through obedience to those laws which it is the mission of the physician to learn to teach and to enforce euthanasia is the sequel of health the happy death engrafted on the perfect life when the physician has taught the world how this benign process of nature may be secured and the world has accepted the lesson death itself will be practically banished it will be divested equally of fear of sorrow of suffering it will come as a sleep if you ask me what proof there is of the possibility of such a consummation i point to our knowledge of the natural phenomena of one form of dissolution revealed to us even now in perfect though exceptional illustration we have all seen nature in rare instances vindicating herself despite the social opposition to her and showing how tenderly how soothingly how like a mother with her foot on the cradle she would if she were permitted rock us all gently out of the world how if the free will with which she has armed us were brought into accord with her designs she would give us the riches the beauties the wonders of the universe for our portion so long as we could receive and enjoy them and at last would gently withdraw us from them sense by sense 
with such imperception that the pain of the withdrawal would be unfelt and indeed unknown ten times in my own observation i remember witnessing with attentive mind these phenomena of natural euthanasia without pain anger or sorrow the intellectual faculties of the fated man lose their brightness ambition ceases or sinks into desire for repose idea of time of space of duty lingeringly pass away to sleep and not to dream is the pressing and step by step still pressing need until at length it whiles away nearly all the hours the awakenings are shorter and shorter painless careless happy awakenings to the hum of a busy world to the merry sounds of children at play to the sound of voices offering aid and to the effort of talking on simple topics and recalling events that have dwelt longest on the memory and then again the overpowering sleep and thus on and on until at length the intellectual nature is lost the instinctive and merely animal functions now no longer required to sustain the higher faculties in their turn succumb and fall into inertia this is death by nature and when mankind has learned the truth when the time shall come as come it will that there shall be no more an infant of days nor an old man who hath not filled his days this act of death now as a rule so dreaded because so premature shall arriving only at its appointed hour suggest no terror inflict no agony the sharpness of death removed from those who die the poignancy of grief would be almost equally removed from those who survive were natural euthanasia the prevailing fact our sensibilities are governed by the observance of natural law and the breach of it it is only when nature is vehemently interrupted that we either wonder or weep thus the old greeks fathers of true mirth who looked upon prolonged grief as an offence and who attached the word madness to melancholy even they were so far imbued with sorrow when the child or the youth died that they bore the lifeless body to the pyre in the break of the morning lest the sun should behold so sad a sight as the young dead while we who court rather than seek to dismiss melancholy who find poetry and piety in melancholic reverie and who indulge too often in what after a time becomes the luxury of woe experience a gradation of suffering as we witness the work of death for the loss of the child and the youth we mourn in the perfect purity of sorrow for the loss of the man in his activity we feel grief mingled with selfish regret that so much that was useful has ceased to be in the loss of the aged in their days of second childishness and mere oblivion we sympathize for something that has passed away and for a moment recall events saddening to the memory but how soon this consoling thought succeeds and conquers that the race of the life that has gone was run and that for its own sake the dispensation of its removal was most merciful and most wise to the rule of natural death there are a few exceptions 
unswerving in her great purpose for the universal good nature has imposed on the world of life her storms earthquakes lightnings and all those sublime manifestations of her supreme power which in the infant days of the universe cowed the boldest and implanted in the human heart fears and superstitions which in hereditary progression have passed down even to the present generations and thus she has exposed us all to accidents of premature death but with infinite wisdom and as if to tell us that her design is to provide for these inevitable calamities she has given preponderance of number at birth to those of her children who by reason of masculine strength and courage shall have most frequently to face her elements of destruction further she has provided that death by her by accidental collision with herself shall from its very quickness be freed of pain for pain is a product of time to experience pain the impression producing it must be transmitted from the injured part of the living body to the conscious center must be received at the conscious center and must be recognized by the mind as a reception the last act in truth being the conscious act in the great majority of deaths from natural accidents there is not sufficient time for the accomplishment of these progressive steps by which the consciousness is reached the unconsciousness of existence is the first and last fact inflicted upon the stricken organism the destruction is so mighty that the sense of it is not revealed the duration of time intended by nature to extend between the birth of the individual and his natural euthanasia is undetermined except in an approximate degree from the first the steady stealthy attraction of the earth is ever telling upon the living body some force liberated from the body during life enables it by self-controlled resistance to overcome its own weight for a given part of its cycle the force produced is so efficient that the body grows as well as moves by its agency against weight but this special stage is limited to an extreme say of thirty years there is then another period limited probably also to thirty years during which the living structure in its full development maintains its resistance to its weight finally there comes a time when this resistance begins to fail so that the earth which never for a moment loses her grasp commences and continues to prevail and after a struggle extended from twenty to thirty years conquers bringing the exhausted organism which has daily approached nearer and nearer to her dead self into her dead bosom why the excessive power developed during growth or ascent of life should be limited as to time why the power that maintains the developed body on the level plane should be limited as to time why the power should decline so that the earth should be allowed to prevail and bring descent of life are problems as yet unsolved we call the force that resists the earth vital we say it resists death we speak of it as stronger in the young than in the old but we know nothing more of it really from a physical point of view than that while it exists it opposes terrestrial weight sufficiently to enable the body to move with freedom on the surface of the earth these facts we accept as ultimate facts 
to say that the animal at birth endowed with some reserve force something over and above what it obtains from food and air would seem a reasonable conclusion but we have no proofs that it is true save that the young resist better than the old we must therefore rest content with our knowledge in its simple form gathering from it the lesson that death a part of the scheme of life is ordained upon a natural term of life is beneficially planned is rounded with a sleep then follow chapters on disease leading up to rules for health end of chapter seven